0: When I was in elementary school, we would get a envelope just like this. And it would have the clasped, already clasped. And every quarter, we would take one of these home. And inside of this clasped envelope, the teacher would say, Do not open it until you get home, was your report card. Now, the day of the report card always brought a variety of mixed emotions. For some who were good students and studious and stayed out of trouble, the day of report card day was always somewhat of a joy. It's, it's going to be, hey, my parents are going to see that I'm working diligently and behaving well at school. But there were some others that the report card day became a day not of reward but a day of reckoning this was for those who maybe didn't try as hard or maybe school just didn't come as naturally or maybe they just goofed off and on that day there was this often this feeling that that comes into their heart thinking man my parents are going to look and know how I have behaved and what I have scored at school. As we think about our life, there is going to be a day for all of us, a day either of reward or a day of reckoning. Now, it is not based upon our works, but it is based upon our relationship with God. And as Malachi, coming near the close of this book, writes these last few verses To these Jewish believers and some unbelievers, on the other hand, he confronts them and reminds them that there is a day that is coming. So take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to Malachi chapter 4. We're going to pick up in verse number 1 and read down just through three verses. Malachi chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. For look, the day is coming, burning like a furnace, when all the arrogant and everyone who commits wickedness will become stubble. The coming day will consume them, says the Lord of armies, not leaving them root or branches, but for you. Who fear my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. And you will go out and playfully jump like calves from the stall. You will trample the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet. On the day I am preparing, says the Lord of armies. And with that, let's pray. God, I ask that you would speak to us and challenge us as we anticipate the coming day. And Lord, I pray that every man and woman, every student would be ready. And if they're not ready, that today they would get ready. In your name we pray. Amen. Malachi has been the mouthpiece of God and his... Prophetic voice will be the last voice that will be heard for some 400 plus years until Jesus comes. So this is very essential and important. And as Malachi is preaching and he is confronting the people, remember, for the majority of the people who have come back after the Babylonian exile, they've been released by the Persians to come back. They have come back. They have rebuilt the temple. They have rebuilt the walls, but they are walking in uh, a sense of spiritual stagnation. Their walk is spiritually stagnant and their worship is spiritually apathetic. And throughout this book, Malachi has confronted them on how they have dishonored God's name and how they have disobeyed and despised the spiritual reality of who God is and what God has commanded them to do. And so now he challenges them and tells them that there is a day coming. And I will tell you that we are closer to that day than we have ever been. I believe that as Malachi shares this prophetic voice some 400 years before Jesus would come, this prophetic voice would be echoed actually in the last book of the New Testament, the book of Revelation, as we see this day of the Lord as it is coming. For the day of the Lord is not a single day. It's kind of like when you're hanging around with your friends and you're talking about back in the day. You know, when you're talking about back in elementary or middle school or high school, you're talking about your time back in the day. Here, the day of the Lord, I believe, is that time in Revelation chapter 6 through 19 where tribulation comes upon the world and just as uh, and this culminates in the coming of Jesus and his second coming and he comes to reign and rule forever. So we see this day is coming. There is coming a day of reckoning or there is coming a day of reward. That's a challenge for all of us. All of us at some time are going to pass from this life. And whether Jesus comes or we go, we understand and recognize that God is going to bring to us And in front of us, a day of reckoning for the opportunities that we had to follow the Lord and to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Or there will come a day of reward when the Lord will give us the rewards that we have earned after receiving Jesus. Now remember, we don't get to heaven by doing good works. But after we come to know the Lord, then we do good works and God promises reward for us. There's coming a day, a day of the Lord. If you notice with me all the way back up in chapter three in verse number 17, it mentions this day. Then in chapter four in verse number one, it mentions this day twice. And then down in verse number three and verse number five, it mentions this coming day. So mark it down. The day is coming. And for all of us, it will be a day of reckoning or a day of reward. So let's begin in verse number one. As he, as he begins this section, notice he says, for look, some of your Bibles may say, behold, this is a, a word of interjection. It is a word that says, pay attention, wake up, listen up. This is important. These are the last few sentences that will be shared for 400 years. Listen up wake up, behold, look. Then notice what he says. Look, the day is coming, burning like a furnace, when all the arrogant and everyone who commits wickedness will become stubble. For some, the day of the Lord means God's judgment. For some, the day of the Lord obviously means God's Judgment. As we think about this day coming and the day of the Lord and God's judgment, we see that he lays it out very clearly. And he gives a picture of a burning furnace. Now, as we think of this picture of God's judgment and we listen to this message of Malachi, he is sending a warning. He is sending a warning that says there is going to come a judgment like a furnace. Now, in the New Testament, do you know who would talk about hell more than anyone else? The Lord Jesus himself. Do you know who would talk about hell more than heaven? Jesus himself. So that in math, or Mark chapter 9 and verse number 44, he would picture hell as a place where, where it is un, the, the fire is unquenched. And then in nine, Mark 9, 48, it tells us that it's a place where the worm never dies and the fire is unquenched. So we get this picture. You look in passages like Luke chapter 16, verses 19 and following, as you have a rich man who dies and goes to a place of torment. Jesus picked up on, on this message because the reality is there. There is a day of reckoning that is coming when the Lord says he will consume the wicked. But notice, as we think about this picture Notice he, he lumps the, the sinful people into two groups. He says when all the arrogant and everyone who commits wickedness will become stubble. What we find is that God's judgment is all encompassing. It is all encompassing. It is going to look upon every person who has pride and who has committed wickedness now as we look back at the old testament in the book of proverbs chapter 6 verse number 16 it tells us that there are six things that god hates yea seven are an abomination to him and the first one that he says is a proud look or haughty eyes that picture is is that god hates pride i think in isaiah chapter 14 verses 12 and following we find that the devil lucifer cries out i will i will i will and i will stand in the place of the most high god filled with pride and the lord brings punishment and the picture is for all of us today who think that i can make it on my own i'm good enough i have everything under control that that I'm okay and you're okay, the Bible warns us that that is a sin of presumption and pride. If you're too good to need Jesus, then you are going to experience the punishment of the proud. But if pride is the root of all sin and evil, which I think that it is, then wickedness is the fruit of that. Because he promises that he is going to to bring and consume those who are proud and everyone who does wickedness. The truth is, is in Romans chapter 3, verse number 10, it makes it very clear there is none righteous, no, not one. Ephesians reminds us that we are by nature children of wrath that we are born with a sinful nature and this predisposition to live for ourselves, to do our own things, to cast God aside. That's why he says there's none righteous. He says there's none righteous, no, not one. And then he goes on in Romans chapter three to say, and there's none who seeks God. Everyone wants to live their own way and do their own thing. And the fruit of the wickedness coming out is from the root of pride. So... God's judgment is all-encompassing. But then we find that God's judgment is all-consuming. Notice as we look at this horrific and challenging picture, he takes those who are wicked and arrogant, and he says that they will become stubble. It's the picture of of going in with a sickle and taking off anything that is valuable and just leaving the, the stubble the bottom of the stalk that is worthless. But then he goes on to say this, the coming day will consume them. And then he says, not leaving them root or branches. People may think that there's something here now. They may gloat in their pride and popularity They may think they're on easy street because of their money. And God says they are nothing but stubble. And one day, all the way down to the root, they are going to be consumed. And every branch off of that. What a horrific picture. That God's judgment is going to come upon every arrogant and every wicked person. And that judgment is going to be all-consuming. We turn to the... Last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 21. And notice as John is picturing the new heaven and the new earth in Revelation chapter 21 and verse number eight, he says this, but the cowards and the faithless and the detestable and murderers and sexually immoral and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars, their share will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. The coward, that's the fearful. The one who who wants to go along with the crowd and, and not turn and go against the culture to follow Christ. It's so much easier just to go along and get along. And yet, as we're walking in the way of the world, the Lord Jesus bids us repent or you will likewise perish and calls us to follow him and go against the flow of society and go against the flow of sinfulness. And he says those who are cowardly and unbelieving, they are going to experience the second death there is coming a day of reckoning and malachi makes it very very clear that no one is going to escape there's going to be be no one who gets away with it in our world today people try to see how much they can get away with and that day no one will get away and in that day people will be consumed they will experience the punishment Of separation from God forever in a place of torment called hell. Ultimately, we see in Revelation 21 that they are cast into the lake of fire, which is the second death. This is a horrific picture that the day of the Lord is coming. And so, with that, I would plead with you that if you do not know for certain that you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, That today is the day. I mean, in Malachi's day, they were going through the motions. They were coming to church. They were offering sacrifices. Granted, they weren't the best, but they were going through the motions of worship. They were attending the, the time at the temple. But though they were in the building, their heart was far from the Lord. And some of you maybe for a while have just gone through the motions of life and and you grew up going through the motions and you've never come to that place where you have begun a relationship with God. We know in the New Testament that God sends Jesus and so that our relationship with God comes through Jesus so that Jesus would say, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father but by me. If you want your life to be reconciled to God, it comes only one way through the person of Jesus. So I plead with you today: eternity's way too long to, to 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 be uncertain of. My mama always told me, "Better be safe than sorry," and when it comes to eternity, you need to know that you know that you can be ready for the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord means God's judgment is coming. But notice those refreshing words of verse number two. Those first three words. But for you. Oh, Malachi has stood and said, look, wake up. The pride and uh, the proud and the wicked are going to be like stubble and they're going to be consumed like down to the roots and all the branches. But for those of us who know the Lord, the day of the Lord means God's salvation is coming. Here's the picture. And what a contrast. It reminds me of in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, where Paul talks about the depths of depravity that we are in, how we are by nature children of wrath. But then in Ephesians chapter 2, in verse number 4, it says, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with wherewith he loves us, even when we were dead and our trespasses and sin has made us alive in Christ, for by grace you have been saved. Oh, these are precious words, but for you. I pray this is where you are today. That as we look at the world around us and we look at the trajectory of the world around us and we look at the morality of the world around us and we look at the sinfulness of the world around us, we know that for us as believers, there is a day coming. But for you. Notice what he says. But for you who do what? who fear my name but for you who fear my name in malachi chapter one the lord wanted his name to be feared among the nations around verse number 14 i think we, we find that god wanted his this, this sense of respect and deep awe and fear to rise up among the people and yet they lived in pride and arrogance and saying we don't have to fear god We'll come to church, we'll do it our way, we'll give our way, we'll live our way, divorce our wives, marry younger pagan women. We can do what we want, amen? We'll, we'll go to church, we'll, we'll say I'm sorry, we'll flood the altar with tears. But man, we're just going to keep on living the way we want. But notice what he does say to the fearful up in Malachi chapter 3. Verse number 16. At that time, those who feared the Lord spoke to one another. The Lord took notice and listened, and a book of remembrance was written before him for those who feared the Lord and had high regard for his name. Then we see, but for you, verse number two of chapter four, who fear my name. He promises in chapter three, For those who fear his name, their name is going to be written in a book, the book of life. It is the registry of heaven. And now he proclaims that for those who fear my name, there are four amazing, wonderful blessings that you can experience. First, for those of you who fear my name, the day of the Lord means... Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. For those who fear my name, notice what it says. The son of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. Now, there is some debate on this passage. Some of your Bibles may have that word, the the, the first letter of the word sun capitalized. I believe that is the best translation. Some believe that this is an inanimate picture of the sun and God's righteous rays flowing down on people. I believe, as I have looked at this passage, when he is talking about the Son of Righteousness coming with healing in his wings, that he is no doubt talking about the Lord Jesus himself. That he is talking about the Son who is going to come. Jesus is coming. Remember in Luke 1, 78, as Zechariah is there, and, and he gets the picture that the day star from on high is going to come. This is the picture of Jesus, the day star from on high. Jesus, when he is here on the earth, in John chapter 8 and verse number 12, would declare, I am the light of the world. In 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 19, Jesus is called the morning star who rises in our hearts. And then we come to Revelation chapter 21 again. The last words of the Old Testament Give the picture that the Son of righteousness is going to come, and then we come to Revelation chapter 22, and we see the reality of that in verse number 16. I, Jesus, have sent angels to attest to these things, to these things, to you for the churches, I am the root and descendant of David. I am the bright and morning star. So here, the picture of Jesus as the day star, as the morning star, as the bride and morning star. I think that this is a reference that Jesus is coming. And Revelation chapter 19, verse number 11 and following shows that awesome return of the Lord as Jesus is pictured as riding in on a white horse and many crowns are upon his head and his eyes are blazing like fire and he holds uh, out of his mouth comes a two-edged sword, and written on his name are the words, King of kings and Lord of lords. For those of us who know him, one day Jesus is coming, and that is our hope. Jesus is coming. But not only, listen, not only does it say that the Son of Righteousness is coming, not only is Jesus coming, but secondly, healing is coming. He says the son of righteousness is coming with healing in his wings. He's coming with healing. The word pictures health and restoration and tranquility. Jesus is coming. And as Jesus comes, healing is coming. Many of you know that yesterday, uh, Naomi Judd died. You know of winona and naomi and the other daughter ashley i think was in movies and but that family and her daughters printed that she died because of mental health issues can i tell you when jesus comes health and tranquility comes not just physical restoration but mental emotional spiritual restoration and peace and tranquility and health comes in him Comes in him. Healing is coming. Now, there is something interesting that I think, man, I, I, I got excited. You can't tell I'm excited today. But uh, I got excited about. He's coming with healing on his wings. The word wings there, the Hebrew word, means uh, uh, kind of uh, the edge. Or it can mean an extension. But it is also used in First Samuel chapter 17. When Saul has the kingdom taken away from him and Samuel is walking off and Saul grabs Samuel's robe and tears it, he grabs the hem. So the word hem can be used on this same Hebrew word, all right? So in 1 Samuel chapter 24, you know, when Saul goes into the cave to relieve himself and David is in there and, you know, cuts part of Saul's robe, okay? Okay. Uh, J. Verda McGee said that Saul was the first person in the Bible to wear a mini skirt after that, but I, I, don't, I don't think he cut that much, really. Uh, but he, it says he cut off a hem. Now, now, let's think about this and go to the New Testament. There's a lady with an issue of blood in Luke chapter 8, and she thinks, if I can just touch the edge, that hem of his garment, I'll be healed. And so... Jesus is walking through. He's actually heading to the house of a young girl that is very sick and then at the point of death and then dies. And there's a woman who touches his robe and he stops. And with all the crowd pressing in, he asks the question, who touched me? It's like the disciples are like, dude, who's not touching you right now? I mean, there are people all around. How can, he says, no, I can tell power has left me. And the woman sheepishly comes forward. And Jesus says, Your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Can I tell you, at that moment, she experienced the relief of just touching the wing, the hem of his garment. And there is coming a day. There is coming a day when the Lord Jesus is going to come with healing on his wings. No more aches and pains. No more suicidal thoughts. I was thinking about this as I was just flipping channels uh, later in the week. And I thought, Stan, there's not going to be any COVID units. No doctor's visits, no hospitals. Donna Glenda, we're not ever going to have to watch a a child on a commercial for Shriners Hospital or St. Jude anymore. (laughs) Jesus is coming and healing is coming. One day, there will be no more doctors and hospitals and assisted living, and there will be no more pandemics, and there will be no more funeral homes. Healing is coming. Jesus is coming. Healing is coming. Thirdly, we find that joy is coming. Notice what it says here, and I, I love this. Is a beautiful picture. It says, For you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in his wings, and you will go out and playfully jump, or you're going to go out to grassy fields is the picture. But the, the CSB says you'll playfully jump like calves from the stall. The picture is, is, is a calf that has been in a, in a stall all day, and then they're released. Now, I have not been around cows a whole lot, but a couple of years ago, I was doing some studying at Julie's parents' house, so I went and spent a, a couple of days there and kind of stayed in their basement and studied. And about dusk one evening, I walked upstairs, and their uh, backyard is, is to some woods. And I watched a mama, a doe, and her two fawns. And I watched them for about a half an hour in the back of Julie's parents' yard. I mean, frolicking and jumping. I just thought, you know, for safety, they've probably been bedded down all day. And now they are running. They are chasing each other. They are having fun. Man, they're just out there like there's there's no challenges. There's no fear. Everything is fine. We, it, it's kind of like if you've ever taken your kids on a on a long road trip, especially when they're little. And man, they've been in those seatbelts all day. And I remember uh, getting home from when we lived in Atlanta, ten, eleven, twelve hours in the car. And we pull up in my parents' driveway and. Man, they'd have those seat belts off. And sometimes even before running to see grandma and grandpa, they ran to the backyard and they would get on the swing set or they would start throwing a ball. They just had to get some energy out. They wanted to go out and play and be free. And here the picture is, there is coming a day of joy that we have never experienced before in our life. And Malachi says, man, the best picture that I can give you is like a calf who's been tied up all day, who's now out just playfully jumping around in a grassy field they know that their food is cared for is is provided and they can just jump and have fun and be secure and experience joy and that's the picture what a beautiful picture jesus is coming healing is coming joy is coming but fourthly we find that vindication is coming notice with me in verse number three you will trample the wicked. For they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day I am preparing, says the Lord of armies. One day, believers who have been oppressed and persecuted and some who have even been killed will walk in victory over the persecutors and oppressors and the killers. They will walk in victory over the bullies and those who ridiculed. And listen, it's not because we're on God's side that that we're going to win this. It's not that we're coming in to help God bail out the, 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 the world so that we can now march in victory. No, it's not that. Not that we get to say, man, you know, man, good thing God had us. It's the picture is because God wins, we win with him. That's the picture. It's not that we're good enough to do this. It's that God says, I win. And because I win, you win. Vindication is coming. For those of you who have faced ridicule at work or persecution upon your job, for those who didn't get the promotion because they were, were too spiritual or they were too religious. There is coming a day when vindication is coming. And we will trample upon those who are the wicked. Those who pushed us down now will be under our feet. And again, not because of anything that we have done. But because of everything that he has done. God doesn't win. Because we're on his side. We win because we're on his side. And when we're on God's side, in life and in eternity, that's what ultimately matters. Johnny Hunt, as he spoke at the conference this week, shared about going to hear a devotion at the racetrack in Phoenix. As they were going to a NASCAR race, they went to chapel that morning and James Dobson was actually speaking at the chapel service that morning. You remember James Dobson and began the ministry, Focus on the family and still on the radio today. James Dobson had just come out of a time where he was very near death. He was very sick. And he shared with that crowd, he said, really, there's only three things that matter. When you come to that point, you need to know know those that you love. And know those that love you. And then he said, and know that eternity is way too long to be without them. For those of us, we know who we love. We love him because he first loved us. We know the body of Christ, those that we have shared and walked in our spiritual journey with. We know and we love them. And we know and receive his love and we know and receive the love of others. But that last statement, know that eternity is way too long to live without those that we love. I wonder today, do you know for certain that on that day, You're ready to meet the Lord. Do you know? Will it be a day of reward? Jesus comes. Healing comes. Joy comes. Vindication comes. Or will it be a day of reckoning? When judgment comes. And for those of us who know him. There is a challenge that we carry. That we have a call to take as many people as we can with us. With that, let's pray. Today, may I ask, do you know for certain that if Jesus came or if you died and met him today, that you would go to heaven? Do you know that you know? If not, the Bible tells us that if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, then you can be saved. The picture is is we have to recognize we're sinners and turn to Jesus and turn from our sin. Place our trust in Jesus alone as the only way of salvation and eternal life. Many of you, I would guess today, you know that you know. I just want to offer a fresh challenge to you today is there someone you need to bring with you? If you're ready, are you helping someone else get ready? If that day when Jesus comes and healing comes and joy comes and vindication comes, don't you want to share that with your loved ones? Maybe today the Lord's laid someone specifically on your heart. If God's speaking to you, I don't... I don't think that it's just a coincidence that you're here, but God may have someone for you to take courage and to go share with. Father, in the powerful and awesome and wonderful name of Jesus, I pray that you would take these moments of reflection and invitation. God, that you would move in the powerful name of Jesus, the one who will one day come for us. May we be ready. And Lord, may we help others by sharing the message of the gospel. Get ready. In your name.